On June 6th, new legislation is set to come into force in Canada that would allow assisted dying. Those requesting assistance to die will need to meet a specific set of criteria set out by law. But what role does Christian faith play in the right to end human life? What is a faithful response to an individual who wishes to end their suffering by choice? Hi, my name is Dan Dick and welcome to Church Matters. Thanks for joining us today for part one of this two-part series on a Christian response to assisted dying. Joining me in the studio today is Rod Rayner. Rod has lived with severe chronic pain for much of his life and at one point contemplated suicide. Rod is a Christian Mennonite with science degrees and a passion for agriculture and the social sciences. Welcome to Church Matters, Rod. Thanks. It's good to be here. I've been looking forward to our discussion. Rod, please share briefly your story of living with severe chronic pain. That's a tough question in and of itself because it goes back to the very beginning of my life uh, in that I'm not sure that I've ever known a time that pain hasn't been part of my life. Interestingly, though, when I was young, I didn't know it as such. However, when I was 18, my back got significantly worse to the point where I was in bed for for a year, which of course at that age is not normal. And so investigations ensued trying to figure out what was going on. That was prior to CAT scans and MRIs. And so I had a procedure called a myelogram where a dye was injected into my back. Uh, That could be picked up on x-rays. We later found out that the dye was toxic It had also been fraudulently put on the market. Uh, The company that produced the dye had falsified the toxicological data. It burnt out the nerves at the base of my spine. And so at this point in, in my life, I don't feel any normal sensation in my legs. Uh, touch, walking, movement, anything, uh, is felt as pain. So it's been a long, um, a long, arduous uh, journey with pain. So you really had a double whammy. First, you had back pain to begin with, and then the dye exacerbated everything. Yeah, exactly. Um, What became clearer uh, later on in my life was that I was born with a congenital defect that was likely as a result of my mother not having enough folic acid uh, in her diet uh, when I was in the womb. And my brother um, similarly has a a corresponding neural tube defect. And so that was the underlying problem. Only about 3% of of individuals go on to adulthood without that being diagnosed. If it's diagnosed early on, then it's a relatively easy surgery. Uh, And and then children go on to a, a normal Um, a normal life. But for me, it was compounded uh, many fold by the introduction of of the dye. And that's the primary reason for the excruciating pain that I live with on a daily basis. Was there a particular breaking point where it seemed there was no hope that led you to the edge of taking your life? I think that there's been multiple occasions Um, where I was drawn to the point where I actually not only contemplated but started to plan for my death. 
Um, one of those times was uh, after working at, at Olds College, where I was the Dean of Agricultural Sciences. Um, my, my health um, digressed to such a point where I was forced to step away from what was my dream job at the time. I am also an extrovert by nature, and so having to go back home and literally to live in bed, um, dependent on those who would come to my door uh, for social engagement, also to recognize that my career, whatever that may be, however I would define it, was likely over, um, what was overwhelming. Also, the, the reality that I was no longer able to participate in the life of, of my family in the way that I saw valuable with two young daughters, a wife, and, and my just struggling to make it through each and every day. And our society places such an inordinate amount of emphasis on our identity as tied to career our identity mm. as tied to vocation mm. and when one strips that away who who are you and of course within the midst of this uh, in excruciating pain to such a degree that even to carry on a conversation with someone was something that took an extreme amount of effort on my part and to carry on a half an hour discussion you know, would require hours of rest, um, such that I had the energy. What kept you from going over that edge? I have thought about that question, and that's a really difficult question for me t to answer in that the reason um, comes from many different places, but I think ultimately it's rooted in faith. Uh, for me, the sense somehow that God was still there, in spite of all of those times where I wanted to scream out, God, where are you? There was still a sense of God being there. But the, my experiences of, of God were often mediated through the people that walked through the door. Uh, people that brought Christ within them into my room and were willing to take on the burden of my suffering alongside of me. Uh, people that, in spite of the great discomfort that it caused them to be in a room with somebody that was battling for their own existence, uh, gave me a sense of hope, a sense of purpose. And I think finally, my family. There was one critical juncture where, uh, unbeknownst to Susan, my wife, I was contemplating suicide. I had it planned out. And she, knowing me well, knew something was off. Uh, but I wasn't willing to expose that. And one day, she essentially backed me in the corner, both literally, figuratively, and said, what's up? And I says, well, you want to know what's up. I want to die, and I know how I'm going to do it. To which she responded, 
well, you go ahead. If I'm not good enough, if and if our daughters aren't reason enough, if the people that care most deeply for you aren't good enough, aren't sufficient reason, then maybe that's what you should do. Harsh language, but it, uh, it appealed perhaps to that stubbornness that is within mm-hmm. me, right? That this isn't just about me. Uh, th- this decision to take one's life can't be understood by just me as an individual. Wow. And, and yet you have this unbearable pain that causes you to question your ability to keep on. It's not only just questioning within my mind, but it's knowing that in every part of my physical being, I'm barely existing. Um, just to give you some indication of the level of pain that I endured uh, for many of the years that I was in bed, and I spent approximately 12 and a half years um, where I lived in bed, my pain levels were rated at 50 times childbirth, if, if you can even imagine that. You know, it, it's something that really you can't get your head around. But the physical anguish was you know, unbearable. Just the act of breathing was torturous. That amount of movement in my body was excruciating. And so for much of that time, I literally uh, lived life in 10-minute increments. And and it's not, I don't mean to diminish the physical pain, but the physical pain is not easily isolated. It's psychological, it's mental, it's emotional. It's everything all wrapped up in in one. That to speak of one's physical pain is to speak of one's emotional pain, to speak of one's spiritual pain. Uh, You know, I don't... For me, I can't differentiate between the, those those things. It is just it it is me that that is being fired in you know in the pits of hell almost. Mm-hmm. What role has your faith community and your spirituality then played in in your capacity to deal with this unwanted hand of cards? It's also an interesting question and one that I've contemplated because there has been both very positive and also very difficult elements associated with how my community has stepped in. Um, Over time, we came to realize that if a person came to visit me, there was probably only a 25% chance that they would ever come back for another visit. Um, in spite of that, both Susan and I were able to release that and not attach a judgment to that because we understood how difficult it was for people to enter into our world, right? Because it, it, it raises so many questions, right? Where is God? Uh, what do I say to Rod when my week has been fantastic? Uh, what is is the place of the church and all of these other things? It, it it unsettles people, so I understand that. And yet, at the same time, for those people 
that that chose to take on my suffering as their suffering and repeatedly came on a regular basis. It was to for me to see in their face the face of Christ, uh, Christ who who took on our pain, and so it wasn't. It was for me to understand my experience as not my experience per se in its totality, but something that I could share with others, and therefore the burden was relieved. Thank you so much, Rod, for sharing your story with me and with our listeners. You're very welcome. Thanks for joining us today for part one of this two-part series on A Christian Response to Assisted Dying. If you would like to access resources on the theme of faith and assisted dying, visit commonword.ca and type assisted dying into the handy search bar. You can join me again in just four weeks for another episode of Church Matters. We're here for you at 8.45 a.m. on the third Sunday of every month. We love to hear from our listeners, whether it's by email, phone, or snail mail. Tell us what's on your mind via churchmatters at mennonitechurch.ca or mail us at 600 Shaftesbury Boulevard, Winnipeg, Manitoba, R3P0M4. We're always happy to receive your phone calls and always appreciate your financial support for this program at 1-866-888-6785 or via the donate link at MennoniteChurch.ca. I'm your host, Dan Dick. Know that you are called, equipped, and sent to be the church in the world today. Thanks for listening. As you go out from here, may the Lord go with you. The face of God shine on you every day. We are sent by God wherever we are living, salt and light as people of the way. from